Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, President very wisely is making the use of National Talk Radio. He will be on Russia's show tomorrow. He will be on this show tomorrow from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we very much look forward to it. We can give him air cover where others cannot. And so uh, I think that's a very, very good decision by the president. And we look forward to having him on for a full 30 minutes, no commercials, no breaks, from the top of the hour to the bottom of the hour. And so you'll hear him on Rush, and you'll hear him on the Mark Levin Show. You know, uh, the debate last night was fantastic. The vice president of the United States was brilliant. And yet what's interesting is he didn't have to do anything extraordinary or unique to make it abundantly clear that he's qualified to be vice president and president of the United States because the role of a vice president is really to be qualified to step up if necessary. Kamala Harris demonstrated she's really not even qualified to be a United States senator. She was bouncing around up there like a valley girl, Mr. Producer, with all due respect. And she had a couple of bad one-liners memorized, like, don't lecture me about prosecutions. I thought that was bizarre. And a few others. She was completely vapping on foreign policy. All this talk about how they're going to attack on the coronavirus, she had absolutely nothing to offer. Zero. I can't think of a profound, or forget about profound, an important point she even mentioned. I really can't. 
really quite remarkable. And then the, the facial movements and so forth. But what's appalling is this. The very next thing, early this morning, this so-called Commission on Presidential Debates changes the rules for the next debate. They don't care about the medical science, that the President of the United States can in fact debate, can debate the same way that the Vice President and Kamala Harris debated. Distance, plastic shields, whatever. This commission is a disaster. Every moderator has been biased. Every moderator asks questions that assume the Democrat talking points. Even last night. Even last night. Hey, you want to follow the science? Well, then how can you call a baby in a womb a choice? What does the science tell us about that baby in the womb? Is it a baby or isn't it a baby? Or in last night's case, you want to pack the Supreme Court? FDR tried to pack the Supreme Court. You know who stopped him? A Democrat senator from North Carolina pulled together enough Democrats and enough Republicans to stop him. And wouldn't that, wouldn't that harm separation of powers and the independence of the judiciary and the integrity of the Supreme Court? No questions, no pressing. And yet this is a big deal. A very big deal. And now we have Nancy Pelosi up there. And Nancy Pelosi is mentally ill, just so you understand. She's mentally ill. She has the shakes. Her face with old age is malformed. She's very big on wanting mental tests. We'd like to have the mental test of Nancy Pelosi, after all. As the media are fond of telling us, she's second in line to the presidency. Where's her health records? Has anybody seen Nancy Pelosi's health records? Has anybody seen anything about Nancy Pelosi's mental condition? Has anybody seen Nancy Pelosi's taxes? I mean, she is second in line. Of course not. And will she be asked about that? No. Tomorrow she says, just wait, tomorrow, 25th Amendment, 25th Amendment. She's such an idiot. And the media that cover her are so stupid and illiterate when it comes to our Constitution. That they'll sit there and lap it up. And they know that they'll sit there and lap it up. And so now we have another non-issue. And unfortunately, it's going to take me to deal with it. As I try and bring truth and reality to what's taking place. So take a look at the 25th Amendment. What she's honing in on is Section 4. Section 4, and, I, and we will dispense with this rather quickly, but it'll take up two or three news cycles because the media will want it to take up two or three news cycles. Here's Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Whenever the Vice President and a majority of either the principal officers or the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide... Transmit to the President Pro Tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House their written declaration that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The Vice President shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting President. Now it goes on. 
it goes on. It's more complicated than this. It involves the cabinet. It involves the vice president. And in the end, you need two-thirds vote of both houses to remove a president. So that's not going to happen. You don't even need two-thirds vote of both houses to remove a president under impeachment. You have a majority in the House that impeaches, right? And you need 60 members of the Senate to remove. Here you would need more. Two-thirds vote of both houses. That would mean two-thirds vote of the House of Representatives. So that's not going to happen. The cabinet is not going to vote. Or the vice president. Majority of the cabinet, the vice president, that the president's unable to discharge his powers or duties of office. So what we have here is Nancy Pelosi abusing her power, trying to create news cycles, knowing full well she can manipulate the media and, unfortunately, a lot of the population to bring up the president's mental condition. This is loathsome. Now, for the media out there, of such other body as Congress may by law provide. There is no other body that's been provided by law, by Congress. So all Nancy Pelosi is going to do tomorrow is do a fan dance for the guys and gals in the media who will be throwing dollar bills, if you will, at Nancy Pelosi with phony questions. They have to pass a law for another body. What is she called? Some commission she wants to set up? which has to be passed by the House, passed by the Senate, and signed into law by the President. Now, that's just not going to happen. So what is she doing? She's not doing anything. Except attacking the President, trying to put the patina of the Constitution around her idiocy, knowing full well that the morons who cover her on cable TV and the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the rest of it, They'll just chew this up. Well, they're throwing around the 25th Amendment, the president's insane. You know, and that's it. It's Nancy Pelosi who's insane. It's Nancy Pelosi who's mentally ill. She's off her rocker. There is no law that's been passed by Congress to create up this other body respecting the president's physical or mental ability to do his job. This is a fake issue. It is a concocted news story. Got it? It goes nowhere. Zero. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
The Republican leader of the House of Representatives is Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Nancy Pelosi is a crackpot. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. She's talking about the 25th Amendment. Under the, uh, under the fourth section of the 25th Amendment, the vice president and majority of either the principal officers or the executive departments or such other body as Congress may by law provide uh, can begin the removal process for a president who's said to be unfit physically or mentally. It takes two-thirds of both houses. But you don't have a law, and there is no body that's been set up. And that would require a vote in the House. It'd have to be passed in the Senate and signed by the current president. So she's basically doing a fan dance for the reporters, who I'm, who I'm sure are going to be throwing dollar bills at her. She, she knows this will not be a reality. This is just another attempt to attack our democracy. And you know what it really brings into question? Whether she should be speaker. What is her mental capacity to even bring this up when you're talking 27 days before an election? You know, she's second in line to the president right after the vice president. To bring this up at this time, the only fathoms of why I think she could do it is she's believing Joe Biden's going to win. They're going to win the Senate. They're going to win the House. And she questions his mental capacity and want Kamala Harris to become president. That is the only way I think she would ever think of that. But it does bring into question whether she should still be Speaker of the House. And I'm getting together with a number of members, and I will tell you there's people on the other side that even raise this question as well. Because think about who she's partnering with, Congressman Raskin. This is the exact same man that introduced this in 2017. Another crackpot. Yeah. Oh, he's beyond a crackpot. Remember who he was. Even prior, two days prior to the President Trump being sworn in, he goes to a rally and says, says I'm going to impeach him. That is his whole legacy of being in Congress, to try to impeach a president under no basis but only go against what the voters of America have decided. These people want to dismantle our society. So you're going to get together and look at ways to, to do what to Pelosi? We're going, to get, we're going to get together, find out ways that we can craft something, because it, brings into, it really brings into question her own mental capacity to be Speaker of the House. 27 days before an election, to raise this knowing that she could not pass it, knowing that she's second in line to the presidency, this is not somebody who should be serving as the Speaker of the House of Representatives. So it's a question from our own body. Should she be removed from that position? Mm-hmm. And how would we go about in the House determining if she's mentally fit? Are you going to recommend the same commission take a look at her mental capacity? I mean, does she have to submit any kind of records about her health, uh, mental health, and so forth? That's, I doubt she does, right, to be speaker. She's I number two it. from the presidency, number two. Yeah. And, and think about it. If she is now saying they should have a commission to do that with the president, shouldn't you do that with all three people who are in line to the presidency? Mm-hmm. The president themselves or the vice president and the speaker of the House? Shouldn't she have to submit to the same test that she's trying to claim? I, I think she'd have a very difficult time being able to pass what she's putting out there. I think she would. I think she's clearly reached a point in her life where there's deterioration. I mean, she's shaking up there. She, uh, she slurs her words like, like Biden in many respects. 
Uh, and, and let's look at it this way, too. The airline industry is going bust. Tens of thousands of jobs, pilots, flight attendants, uh, a ticket agents. And so and she says, look, it's going to go bust unless you give me, you know, another hundred or two or three, four hundred billion dollars to bail out the uh, pension plans in these blue states. Now, what kind of a mind is that? Exactly. She mentions cannabis more than she mentions jobs in her $2.6 billion or $3 trillion bill. But this is even more telling. Think about the pain that she has caused America. And this is another deflection. Why is she doing this when she knows it will go nowhere? It brings question into so close before an election. She's trying to deflect for her, from her own ability of what she's done of penalizing America by holding up any relief bill. The president says he's ready to do it. We have $137 billion already appropriated sitting there to go to small businesses, to go to their employees. We have more than $100 billion that can go to states. We have resources that almost a trillion that have already been appropriated that you don't even have to spend more money, but it's willing to go and she's holding it all up. But I think the big news that you just broke here, and it really is big, is that you're pulling together a a group of members uh, to try and determine if Nancy Pelosi is is fit any further to be Speaker of the House, correct? That is exactly correct. If she is going forward with what she talks about right now, it raises the question of her ability to be Speaker of the House. That doing this with 27 days to go, knowing that it cannot go anywhere, brings into doubt with her own mental capacity and what she has been doing in the pain to the American public by withholding the ability to bring relief during this COVID situation. And remember, Mark, with every COVID package that we went forward with, she held it up. From her ice cream at the refrigerator to her money more for the Kennedy Center, each and every time she inflicted more pain onto the American public. All right, my friend, I want to thank you and the members who are going to work with you because I think this is long overdue. I think Nancy Pelosi has demonstrated at these press release and, and otherwise when she does interviews on MSNBC and CNN that she's really, she's really unhinged and she's taking her personal hate uh, to the president, for the president to a new level and she is harming this country. All these people that need relief. All these businesses that need relief that are going to go under our airlines, for God's sakes. She's holding them all hostage. She's demanding money, a shakedown, blackmail for her uh, blue state governors and, and mayors. And now this on the president of the United States in the middle of a pandemic, Kevin. Yeah. All right, well, my friend. You, Thank okay. you. A very important initiative. I appreciate it. There you have it. The House Republicans are now going to look into whether Nancy Pelosi is able to do her job and whether she's fit anymore to be speaker and the number two in line to be president of the United States. That's very, very important. We'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, 
That's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. So I get an inquiry. You got to love this, don't you, Mr. Producer? I guess they don't realize I have a microphone (laughs) from the New York Slimes. Gentleman by the name of Davey Alba. I don't know who he is. He's the... He's a tech reporter for the New York Times. And I'm going to post this. And he says, I'm a reporter with the New York Times where I'm writing about growing rumors of Election Day coup. I'm hoping to reach Mark Levin for his tweet and Facebook post in which he said, quote, if a defeated Biden does not concede and his party's rioters take to the streets in a coup attempt against President Trump, Will the military be needed to stop them? He goes on. Disinformation experts have told us that talk of an election day coup is riling up people online. And that real world harm may well be a possibility on November 3rd. I wanted to ask Mark. I wanted to ask if Mark had a comment or if he wanted to add further context to his post for our piece to help contextualize what he meant. Oh, is Davy a woman? And so this is a typical hit job being set up by the New York Times. Let me know if you'd like to chat about the story or any part of this inquiry, unquote. So I'm going to post this, and I, of course, will respond publicly, because who can trust the New York Times? My response is, let me respond publicly to you, since I don't trust the Holocaust-denying New York Times, to get right whatever I say. A Davy, no offense, but you're not very sharp. This was my sarcastic response to the Democrats, mocking what they've been saying for weeks. Democrats like Biden, Clinton, Gore, Pelosi, Podesta, and others. I'm deeply concerned about their dog whistles to violent groups like Antifa and BLM and other Democrat-friendly groups, which deeply concerns me. In other words, I just replaced their names with the names that they've been using. And so, hopefully, Davy, if that is her name, will put this into her, uh, into her story. I don't really care. We always monitor the media to see if there's any litigious activity that, that can be triggered on my part, because I'm chomping at the bit, trust me. But we'll see. But here is an effort, you can see by the inquiry, to reverse what's been going on. We're going to need the military to remove Trump from the Oval Office. Have we heard this over and over again? Don't concede under any circumstances, says Hillary Clinton. Biden is on a comedian show. Yes, yes, we may have to use the military. Al Gore, we may have to use the military. Podesta, they have war games all set up. And I sarcastically attacked them in the New York Times. Oh, is Mark inciting? This is how it works. But I'm here, and we will do whatever we have to do to address these people. 
Let us not quickly leave the news that Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, has made. It is very unlikely that they have the ability to remove the Speaker of the House as a result of her mental incapacity to do her job any further. And yet, Kevin McCarthy wants to look into this in response to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi has no chance under the 25th Amendment of even coming close to removing the President of the United States. And yet this is the story that the media are covering because Nancy Pelosi burped it out of her mouth. And here she is at her press briefing today. The clown of the Congress. Fan dancing in front of a a slobbering media. Cut one, go. Give us your prospects here of where you think things are given your talks with Mnuchin and the president and McConnell's, I, I guess, hesitancy to or, or disagreement about the larger package. Could you just give us what your prospects are at this moment? Well, I don't know what the prospects are when we hear people saying I'm, I'm young and I'm a perfect, perfect specimen instead of addressing the fact that what 50,000 people were uh, infected, reported to be infected yesterday, nearly 1,000 people died. What are we talking about here? Tomorrow, by the way, tomorrow, come here tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the 25th Amendment, but not to take attention away from the subject we have now. Oh, okay. We got it. And Carl Bernstein? That fat slob, what did he have to say? Go ahead, cut to. Really, we need facts, and there are facts available. Particularly, first of all, we don't know the president's physiological health. We don't know about whether or not he has definitively COVID pneumonia, though every suggestion is that he does have COVID pneumonia and is still suffering from it. Uh, and it's L- listen, listen to this idiot. Just listen to how he talks. Listen to what they say. Go ahead. We don't know what damage may have been done. We don't know the test to his vital signs. We need full disclosure and immediately. And also the real possibility that this is a time that the 25th Amendment needs to be considered. But it can't be considered uh, without more fact. And, and if Now, Eddie, it can't be considered at all. And so what they want to do here is do an investigation into the president's mental health three and a half weeks before the election. These are vile individuals. They are a cancer on the body politic, just like the New York Times. It is a complete disgrace. The way the 25th Amendment works, it doesn't work for them. There is no law that exists and no law that will be passed, creating such other body as Congress may by law provide. You have the vice president and a majority of the principal officers of the executive departments that have to make a determination on the president's inability to serve as president. And you know, it's never been used this way by any political party to try and take out a president like this. Never. Just because one party, and and particularly unhinged, unbalanced individuals in one party like Pelosi and their, and their backup, Carl Bernstein and others, make allegations. It doesn't trigger an investigation. It doesn't trigger anything. 
Nothing. The fact that people who hate the Constitution, who are going to destroy the Supreme Court the first minute they get, are going to destroy the United States Senate the first minute they get, the legislative process the first minute they get, the Electoral College the first minute they get, are worried about the president's health and they just want to look into this with the, with the virus and so forth. This isn't a game. We've got people suffering in this country and there's only one person who stands between relief for these people and no relief, and it's Nancy Pelosi. She has presented a bill and her Democrats voted for a bill that would change our electoral system completely, that would force election laws on states that reject them, to create a majority Democrat uh, Congress for the rest of time, they say no. She wants hundreds of billions of dollars to bail out the massive pension deficits in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California, and other blue states. She wants hundreds of billions of dollars not to improve schools for social distancing and other protections for students who go into these classrooms, but a blank check, basically, for the teachers' unions. And the president has said no. So let me ask you, who's mentally ill? Who seems mentally ill to you? To Pelosi. And here we are in an election in three and a half weeks. And the 25th Amendment has nothing to do with any of this. They throw it around. They throw it around like so they can talk about the president's mental health. Democrats, left-wing crackpot Democrats, like old Stalinists. It's truly disgusting. Truly disgusting. We'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, here's my response to Davey. I just added to it. Let me respond publicly to you since I don't trust the New York Times to get, to get right whatever I say. Uh, Davey, no offense, but you're not very sharp. This was my sarcastic response to the Democrats, mocking what they've been saying for weeks. Democrats like Biden, Clinton, Gore, Pelosi, Podesta, and others. I'm deeply concerned about their dog whistles to violent groups like Antifa and BLM 
and other Democrat-friendly groups, which deeply concerns me. If you were concerned about riling up people, why didn't you confront the Democrat Party leadership? The New York Times has a horrific history of censorship on the, greatest, the gravest of matters, such as its intentional censorship of the Holocaust and its publishing of Stalin-planted lies written by Walter Durante when Stalin was starving to death millions of Ukrainians. And you've been nowhere over the last several months when the Democrats are talking about using the military against President Donald Trump. Shameful. Does that kind of cover it, Mr. Producer? I'm not going to allow them to turn the tables because they are participants in this, ladies and gentlemen. Big time. Do you think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to get away with ducking the issue of packing the court right up to Election Day, ladies and gentlemen? This is truly a profound issue. Profound issue. This is an assault on our Constitution and separation of powers. I wonder what Fredo Cuomo thinks. You know, I got to give credit. I got to give credit where credit's due. That phrase. That phrase, that Fredo Cuomo. Yes. And he is a Fredo Cuomo. But the truth is, this is a huge issue. So I want to give credit where credit is due. Ari Fleischer, I think, came up with that phrase, Fredo Cuomo. Mr. Producer, the great Ari Fleischer. I don't even know Ari Fleischer. Just, I give him credit because credit is due. But do you think they're going to get away with this, ladies and gentlemen? And if, do you think if the Republicans propose this right now, if they today said we are going to support legislation if we take the House and the Senate and the presidency to change the court, what do you think would have happened? What do you think would have happened if they said it two years ago? What do you think they would, have, would have happened? Look how the Democrats and the media respond when the President of the United States is following his constitutional responsibility, the Senate's following its constitutional responsibility over one justice. Can you imagine if they said, you know, we're going to pack the court, we're going to add six more justices. Oh, and by the way, we're going to put four more Democrats in the Senate. And when we're done with that, we're going to kill the filibuster rule so you can't stop anything we're doing. Oh, and we're going to change all kinds of voting procedures, so we're going to win forevermore. What do you think they'd say? Who, who would they call Hitler and Stalin then? Who would they call Hitler and Stalin then? Then we have this presidential commission. They want a virtual debate. Who are these people? They don't even consult with the campaigns. The President of the United States said this morning, they just heard about it on the news. These are the party nominees. This is our election, the election of the people. We set up another bureaucracy. I looked at this commission on presidential debates, like 15 people, 20 people. They've been there forever. They're long in the tooth. They're bureaucrats. They get paid real money from you and me. It's incredible. You know, formal debates on television didn't start till the 1960s. 1960, Nixon, Kennedy with Howard K. Smith as the moderator. And Howard K. Smith was a great journalist, hence a great moderator. It's like McNeil Lair. Lair was a great moderator. There haven't been any great moderators. You can see the way the questions are asked and how 
and how they embrace the, the left agenda. But I have read the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and basically the way it worked, basically, was they each had an hour, an hour opening the debate. The campaigns agreed, the candidates agreed. These were seven debates in nine Illinois congressional districts. Um, Each debate would open with an hour address. Each had an hour to speak. The other would then speak for an hour. And so the, the, the candidate had opened for an hour. The candidate who was second had an hour and a half. Then they had 30 minutes of rebuttal. So you really got to hear what the candidates had to say. So the first candidate, the one who went first, had an hour. The one who went second had 90 minutes, and then 30 minutes of rebuttal for the one who went first. Douglas, they were running for the Senate in 1858, and even though the state legislature appointed, they were trying to influence who the state legislature should appoint, so they ran as if it was an election, even though it wasn't. And uh, Douglas, Stephen A. Douglas, was the incumbent senator. And so, in the seven debates, Douglas, as the incumbent, he went first four times. The campaigns can work this out or not work it out. But we cannot have people who are claimed or assign the, the title of journalist and they're putting their finger on the scales. That's got to stop. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. <laughs> you know, it's great to have friends in this business, like my buddy Dan Bongino. So this reporter for the New York Times, just giving you inside baseball, who emailed me, also emailed Dan Bongino. So what she's getting ready to do is to write a story about how the extreme right wing, you know, the white supremacists, the Klansmen, the neo-Nazis on radio, how they're fomenting violence. And then we've talked to some professors and experts who say that what they're, what they're posting could literally cause violence on election day. This is what the New York Times is doing. And so, uh, giving you a heads up, and when they do it, we'll address it. I don't even know how anybody would want to work for that crap newspaper, given its role in covering up the Holocaust and Stalin's starving of millions of Ukrainians. And now they've hired another... Israel hater, and they've hired anti-Semites. I mean, it's a really sleazy newspaper. It's really a disgrace. 1619 Project, how they secretly edit and lie and push an agenda. It's not a serious newspaper anymore. It used to be. In the 1860s and 70s, when it was actually taken over by the Sulzberger family, it really was. Now it's crap. I don't have parakeets, but if I did, I wouldn't even line their cage with this stuff. It's so toxic. 
you know what I mean, Mr. Producer. No way. And so now we have this debate commission. You know, this is so boring, this debate commission stuff, I have to say. Bernie Sanders has a message for you voters out there. For you voters who are thinking about voting for Democrats for the Senate, Bernie Sanders has a message for you. Cut five, go. And by the way, if the Democrats gain control of the Senate, you're looking at the chairman of the subcommittee on health. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the subcommittee on health. You know what that means? That means he will destroy health care in America. He's warning us. That's exactly what he'll do. That's the plan. You know, let me try it this way. I've tried it so many ways. Here's the choice in this election. Between the Declaration and the Constitution and the 110-page Communist Manifesto. Because that's what they want to use to replace the Declaration and the Constitution. I happen to think that's a big mistake. A big mistake. All right, let's take a few calls. Susan, Sheridan, Wyoming. I assume you're on XM Satellite. Is that correct, Mr. Call Screener? Let's go. Susan, go right ahead, please. Hi, Mark. It's an honor to speak with you. Um, I just you. wanted to comment on Nancy Pelosi's latest shenanigans. And I well, do you think Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are right to try and, and uh, draw attention to her, to her mental instability? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think she's opening a real Pandora's box because uh, nobody questioned the mental capacity of Ruth Bader Ginsburg making the decisions that she made while undergoing chemo. And Well, isn't that very interesting? That is a, actually an excellent point. If she had pancreatic cancer, my dad had cancer, pancreatic cancer. It's a very mm-hmm. painful cancer, and I know mm-hmm. that she was on some extremely powerful pain medication. So, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to look at every Supreme Court justice? To no, of course not. Medication? She just hates Trump and wants to take him out, and she wants to influence the outcome of this election. This woman, Pelosi, is a nasty old lady, and she's used to getting her way. She's the, uh, the power broker in San Francisco and has enormous power in California. Power's gone to her head on what's left of her mind. And that's what she does. She uses power. She has a majority. And this is what Schumer wants to do in the Senate. She has a majority. Nobody can stop her. Schumer wants a majority so nobody can stop him in the Senate when they get rid of the filibuster rule. And in my view at that point, there's no need for a Senate, is there? If the Senate's going to be the House, then why have the Senate at all? Correct. Now, all that said, Pelosi has used our tax dollars for political purposes. On the impeachment, she's using our tax dollars now. And I'll tell you what. If I'm one of the people who's unemployed as a result of this virus, if I'm one of the, the airline pilots or flight attendants or the, or the bag checkers or the ticket agents and all the people, enormous number of people who have, to, who have to work in an airline for us just to walk on and fly somewhere, the mechanics, I can go on and on and on. If I'm one of those people right now, I am so angry at Nancy Pelosi, my blood is boiling. And it's not just them. Industry after industry, small, medium, and large, every corner of this country is suffering. Is suffering. The President of the United States and the Republicans have spent trillions, and they want to spend $1.6 trillion more, but Nancy Pelosi is saying no. 
I want first $3.2 trillion, then $2.4 trillion, and now I think it's 2.2 or it's, maybe it's still $2.4 trillion. And in that bill, she wants to change our electoral system in a way that only Democrats can win and they'll have power in the federal Congress for the rest of our lives. And she wants to pay off the pensions of these blue states. Pay them off. And that's what she's saying. I'm not going to, she said tonight, I'm not helping the airlines unless I get more. In other words, she's not going to help the airlines, and we need the airlines, all of us. She's not going to help the airlines unless she gets the money for politics and to pay off these blue state governors. Now, let me say something to you. Nancy Pelosi is a greater threat to our economy and the people of this country than Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin doesn't have the power to do to our country what Nancy Pelosi is doing. You understand what I'm saying, Susan? I do. I absolutely agree with you. I think I think it's vile. I think it's criminal that she's using taxpayer money to deflect all of this distraction from every, you know, from President Trump. And, and I, I, I think she's I think she's deranged. I think she's an absolute criminal. I think she's definitely deranged. Uh, we would like to have her health records since she's second in line for the presidency. We'd like to have her tax record since she's second in line for the presidency. And I want to thank you for your call. I am sick and tired of the media in this country that is trying to influence this election, that uses these debates to advance their own cause, the liberal cause, that's now fighting with the Trump campaign over virtual debates. Who the hell do these people think they are? Who the hell do they think they are? It's just incredible. And these massive corporations that own these damn cable channels, as well as these news uh, network channels, who the hell do they think they are? To determine what kind of debates we're going to have and what kind of questions are going to be asked. The first time I was on radio during a presidential election, I'm not going to go back to the archives and pull it up. You're just going to have to trust me. As somebody, as probably the only person on radio and TV who's ever read the Lincoln-Douglas debates. In fact, I have a whole book of them right here. Right here. That's what we need to get back to. Where the campaigns negotiate, the campaigns decide. And if they can't come up with an agreement, they don't come up with an agreement. We'll make our own determinations. But we can no longer have situations where we have a bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., at the 11th hour, is that we're going to do this virtually, which obviously is intended to help Joe Biden, since he's a, a, a basement creature. That, he, he knows more about uh, Zoom than any human being on the face of the earth. That's something he does know something about. And then who? Somebody neutral person is going to start hitting the mute button every time somebody talks? You can't have that. I want you to think about the genius of the Lincoln-Douglas debates. I just told you how they were laid out. The first candidate speaks for an hour. That's a long time. They don't take any questions. They're not said we have nine subjects. Here are the subjects. You have two minutes to talk about China. Two minutes? Oh, yeah, two minutes. And then you get the response. Do I get the response to that? So like, yeah, I'll give you 15 seconds. 
You have a full hour. You determine what you're going to talk about. One thing, 10 things, 50 things. You determine how you're going to address issues, how you're going to address your opponent. Then your opponent has an hour and a half to speak about whatever they want to say. An hour and a half. And then the first candidate gets 30 more minutes. A total of an hour and a half. This was what Lincoln and Douglas agreed to. Seven debates. And most people don't even know there were seven debates. I'm just Seven debates in seven, seven different parts of Illinois. And Douglas, because he was the incumbent, it was decided, would go first four times and then therefore have the last 30 minutes. Boy, can you take a measure of somebody who can talk for an hour and then an hour and a half? Do you think Joe Biden could do it? Of course not. Do you think Donald Trump could do it? Of course. Do you think Mike Pence could do it? Of course. Do you think Kamala Harris could do it? Of course not. And this is how you get away from one-liners and cheap shots. You have plenty of time for each candidate to speak. Plenty of time. So there's really no need to interrupt. They keep in mind what's been said, and then they have plenty of time to reply. This is, these aren't debates. By any rules, these aren't debates. You get two minutes. Two minutes to talk on the virus. Two minutes? Two minutes to talk about war and peace. What? Because this is the nature of the media. Quick hits. Move the issues fast. Let's get the ratings up. Superficial. Boom, 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 boom. Joe Biden couldn't survive a Lincoln-Douglas debate. He couldn't survive it. Kamala Harris couldn't survive it. You saw the brilliance of the vice president last night. Because he speaks in complete sentences. He knows the issues. He has principles. He's not a flip-flopper. He's a serious and decent man. The President of the United States. He can speak for an hour. He can speak for an hour and a half. We know he can. As a matter of fact, we are going to rerun, unless there's breaking news, on Saturday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, my interview of the President of the United States. And you'll see right there. Ask him a question and let him complete his thoughts. Nothing radical about that. And this is the way it used to be done. This is the way interviews used to be taken, uh, be, be dealt with. Long form, one hour interviews. Buckley did it. Suskind did it. All kinds of people did it. People you like, people you don't like. That's why I decided on this format. Because I grew up on that format. Not on a format like everybody's on speed, Mr. Producer, if you know what I mean. Hyped up, talking fast, interact. That's just... We deserve better. We deserve better than what these news organizations are doing to us. We deserve better than people who pretend to be journalists who are not. They're Democrats. That's what they are. Now, by the way, I will be on Hannity tonight... What time is it, mister? 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time, correct? 
9.25 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be on Hannity tonight. Again, I'm the lounge act for the President of the United States, so as I understand, will come after me. And so that should be a great show tonight. And don't forget, tomorrow, right here on the little old Mark Levin Show, from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the full half hour, first half hour of the program, without commercial or network interruption, the President of the United States. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Isn't it amazing? Vice President had a tremendous debate last night. Kamala Harris actually looked like, well, she sounded like a fool. And then another one with the facial tics and the smiling at the wrong time and quite vapid when it came to issues. She is simply not qualified to be a president of the United States. And I hope enough people saw that debate to understand that. Joe Biden is going to be 78. If he serves a full term, he'll be 82. Joe Biden, we really are going to have to trigger the 25th Amendment. I am convinced of it should he be elected, God forbid. And that would mean Kamala Harris. There's never been a bigger no-nothing. You know, Willie Brown, who knows her better than most in so many ways, was the Speaker of the California Assembly and also the Mayor of San Francisco. He wrote that piece not that long ago and said, no, she shouldn't run for vice president, maybe attorney general. Why? Because he knows that she's an empty dress. May I say that, Mr. Producer? Or maybe an empty pantsuit like Hillary? I believe in treating everybody equally, you see. Equally, regardless of genitalia. Or regardless of what you do with your genitalia, may I say. But in all seriousness... It's like, why would he pick her? Because he's an idiot. That's one reason. I mean, they have a lot in common. All right, let me, uh, let's see. Let us go to Donald, Huntington Beach, California, the great KRLA, 870 The Answer. Go right ahead. Thank you very much, Mark. I watch your program many times. Here's uh, two things that I found on that debate. One was that uh, when Kamala, when actually... Pence asked her about the fact that the fracking, and she said, no, 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 that, no, and, you know, Biden knows the same, we both go the same way and all that, and then she finally gets to the point where she says, you know, now listen to me, this is the truth, 
when she says this is the truth, what she's really saying is that, you know, I know I said it different ways, but I don't want to let people know that. So I'm going to say this is the truth because, yes, I did lie. Okay. Isn't it amazing, Donald? We have her on video. Video saying that she would get rid of fossil fuels. She didn't even debate with the person who asked her the question. And she would get rid of fracking. She said it. So did Joe Biden. And they're lying to the people in these parts of the country, in these geographic parts of the country, in these battleground states. They are lying to these people. And what's going to happen, God forbid, if they get elected, these people are going to find out that they were lied to. But we're telling them now, there's no excuse for voting for Biden and Harris if you work on fracking, if you have any uh, uh, relationship to oil, natural gas, or coal. They're gunning for you. When they say we're going to have zero, zero carbon dioxide in 15 years, zero, they're going after the automobile industry. They're going after truckers. They're going after taxi drivers. They're going after Uber. They're going after the suburbs where people need cars. They're going after people who produce coal and oil and gasoline and all the businesses related to it, all those parts of the country. This is no joke. This is what they're going to do. They don't know anything about fracking, about drilling. He's from Wilmington, and she's from San Francisco. Thank you for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. You know, the, uh, the plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer is as sick as it gets. Absolutely nuts. As sick as it gets. But it's also sick when she uses such a horrific event aimed at her. To attack the President of the United States for crass political reasons. It really is stunning and sickening. Stunning and sickening. She's effectively blaming the President for the kidnap plot. And so are the media. You know, they just do what they're told, like Katie Turd over there at MSLSD. And then they bring in a conga line of goofballs, crackpots, and morons to do the same thing. So there's a plot to literally kidnap the governor of Michigan, which is, again, as sick as it gets. And she blames the president of the United States. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible how hateful and sick these people are. Sick. And she uses the same line of his inability to denounce white supremacy. The party of white supremacy. 
president has denounced white supremacy, and he has denounced the Klan, and he has denounced neo-Nazis, and he's done more for the African-American community than this governor or the first black president or the ghost we call Joe Biden. More in three and a half years for the African-American community than all of them put together. Does that sound like a Klansman or a neo-Nazi to you? He's done more for the state of Israel than any president ever. And more for the Jewish people in protecting them against anti-Semitism on college campuses and in universities and his opposition to the BDS movement than any president, period. As opposed to Obama, who I believe was anti-Semitic, despite his support from liberal Jews. And Biden, who wants to turn back the clock on all the peace breaking out in the Middle East. Does that sound like a neo-Nazi to you, ladies and gentlemen? This is their narrative. This is their narrative. And the only way to confront them is to defeat them. Is to defeat them. You have a growing, aggressive wing of radical anti-Semites in the Democrat Party. And their numbers are increasing. And the New York Times doesn't say a damn thing about it. What's this woman's name again, Mr. Davey... uh, Davy Alba is not writing about that. Davy Alba says nothing. 1619 Project says nothing. Nothing, not a word. President of the United States signs an executive order. For the first time, a president says, you know what, lynching is a federal hate crime. I thought to myself, hasn't it always been? No, it hasn't. It's never been a federal hate crime. President of the United States, Donald Trump. So he must be a white supremacist, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Only a white supremacist would sign an executive order like that. Only a white supremacist would reverse Mr. Bigot, Joe Biden's 1994 Joe Biden crime bill that put far more African Americans in federal prison than anybody else. It's the President of the United States who reversed that. Joe Biden's handiwork. It's not the President of the United States who worked with segregationists from Mississippi and became lifetime friends with them and had love letters back and forth. That wasn't Donald Trump. That was Joe Biden. Really? Yes. Wasn't the President of the United States that said he opposed integration because he didn't want to send his kids to a cultural jungle? Cultural jungle? Trump never said that. Biden said that. But you see, Trump is the white supremacist. They have to lie about what took place in Charlottesville. They have to lie about what the man said. That's the best they have. They have nothing else. Nothing. Nothing. And here we have a governor. You'd think that she'd be concerned Concerned enough not to be taking cheap political shots at the President of the United States. But she's not. She's not. The Secret Service is not allowed to reveal the number of death threats a president receives, which would include this president. You've never heard this president go out and say, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Biden and Harris... 
and Whitmer and Cuomo, the way they talk about me, they incite. They incite people to the point where they're making death threats against me. You've never heard him say that. I suppose he could. I suppose he could. I wish this bag under my eye would just go away. Now, if that sounds like you every morning, you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now. Introducing the new Genesel Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chaminade. Susan from New Jersey wrote this. I've been using Genesel for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes, gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and they haven't come back. I love your product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. Folks, and it's with instant effects you'll see results in the first 12 hours of your money back, and that's a big deal. First 12 hours of your money back. Call now and say big on Genesel's pre-holiday season sale. Call 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Or visit Genesel.com. And enter Mark 30, Mark 30 at checkout for an exclusive discount. For a limited time, all customers will get the new Genesel Crepey Skin Repair, the essential tool to visibly reduce crepey skin on the chest and neck for free. Call 800 Skin 604, 800 Skin 604, or go to Genesel.com, That's Genesel.com. Oh, darn it. Oh, no, there it is, the call screen. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Give me one second. All right, I'm ready to roll here. Let us go to Dan, Oakdale, California, the great KFIV. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You go. Uh, I read the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force recommendations, an excruciating read, I must admit. Yep. Um, The... uh, it's it's amazing how many things they say claim they're going to do, but never explain what really what they are or how they're going to do them, and how many of these problems are always in the same groups. The same groups of people have all the problems for some reason. Um, you know, this is I an just, interesting point. It's a hundred ten page of stereotypes, too, isn't it? That's your point. Yes, it is. That people aren't and, free that people can't, can't improve themselves, that society is so bigoted and racist, uh, and, and society is so uh, unfair, massive redistribution of wealth, massive government control of, uh, of really utilities and everything related to it, and automobiles and the environment. And Can I ask you a question? Let me ask you a question, Dan. Where do all these politicians and bureaucrats get their expertise from? Uh, they must be making it up. I have no idea. I I mean, it's not like they get their jobs because they're specialists or they're experts or or they've achieved something in particular. I mean, they're all protected. I mean, particularly in the bureaucracy, they have unions, they have the civil service. These aren't merit-based positions. We we don't know who they are. I'm just curious, where do all these people get their enormous experience to run all these technologies and and assembly lines and make all these fateful decisions for the entire country. Where does this come from? Yeah. 
Well, when you, when you read through the document, too, there's so much repetition in it that if you take out the repetition, maybe 10 pages would be stretching it. No, I don't agree you know, with that, and I've read that document, and I understand there's a lot of pablum in, in there. But when you really digest it, you'll see that they have designs on our industries, designs on our wealth, designs on everything in this country, everything. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, yeah. But you're right. They don't say exactly how they're going to do it, but they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, and and as far and and Trump's the problem in all of it. Mm-hmm. It's repeated over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Dan. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let us continue. I know this area very well. Patricia, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. How are you? I am fine, Mark. I must tell you first, I've been listening to you for 15 years. This is the first time I called. Thank first you. First time I got through, and I am thrilled. All I could think about when you started talking about the 25th Amendment and Pelosi was the State of the Union speech, when mm-hmm. she stood up there with that malicious grin on her face and tore it up, page by page by page. And by the way, it was pre kind of ripped because it was too thick for her to actually rip it up easily. So they actually had this plan. They actually had it pre-ripped. So when she actually ripped it in half, it was easier to do that. Did you notice that? Actually, I didn't, but I, yep. but I, I read about it afterwards and it made perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought tonight, that video should be run every day starting tonight. Ten times a day between now and the election to show what a malicious, deranged mind this woman has. Where in Philadelphia are you from originally? I'm actually originally from New York. New York. And okay. I, originally, that's where I was born. But right. I, I um, yep. But where did you grow up? In New York City. I'm just wondering, your accent's an interesting combination of New York and Philadelphia, actually. Is it really? It is to me. I was going to say you're from Northeast Philly, but look, I'm wrong. That's okay. You're right about everything else. All right. Thank you, Patricia. You take care of yourself. We'll be right back. The President of the United States will be on this program from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow. I will be on Hannity TV on Fox at 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be the lounge act for the President of the United States who will be following at some point. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, you are being ripped off. You're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would be getting right now with Pure Talk. Look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month, but the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane but only needing one seat. Now that's how Pure Talk saves the average person over... $400 a year for exactly the same kind of service and network and towers. Exactly the same on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, 
text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over the data usage, hey, Mark, maybe I'll need more. They don't charge you for it. They don't charge you for it. So, folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. So I encourage you to go ahead and make it. Grab your mobile phone, dial 250 and say, excuse me, dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin. That's pound 250, say Mark Levin. And when you do, in addition, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, that's pound 250, and say the keyword Mark Levin. Pure talk is simply smarter wireless. It truly is. All right. Let us go to Julie. I like that name. Appleton, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Go. Hi, Mark. I am a huge Mm, fan. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. And I have to tell you, my 10-year-old grandson loves to listen to you every night. Oh, what's what's his name? Aiden. Hello, Aiden. Thank you. You go right ahead. He's a big fan. Thank you. It seems to me as though Nancy Pelosi may not be so certain of a Biden win if she wants to try to get President Trump removed from office. Interesting. I mean, why, not wait? why not wait until after the election? Her problem is solved. What she's really doing is trying to influence the election with another chicken-ass move like this. You know, to raise questions about the president's mind. But the prior caller had a good point, or caller several before, I thought, truly, which was, how come they didn't bring this up with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was going through all kinds of treatments? Mm-hmm. In fact, what kind of medicines are Joe Biden on? We don't even know. Why isn't he required to release his medicines so, so we can see just how well he's doing? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever asks these questions. It's like the tax returns. The Pelosi's are worth a fortune. A fortune. She's number two in line to be president of the United States. Nobody ever asks her for a tax returns but me. But no serious reporter at any of these press events ask her. You want to know why, Julie? I like saying your name. It's my wife's name. You want to know why, Julie? I like, I like hearing you say it, Mark. Thank you. And I'll tell you why. Because Pelosi and Biden and Schumer and all these people long in the tooth and short in the mind, they've been with the media Decades. They have relationships, friendships, social events, leaking back and forth, the media and them for decades. In the case of Biden, it's been 47, 50 years. In the case of Pelosi, it's been 30, 40 years. Same with Schumer. And so they're all pals. Donald Trump is an outsider. He's not pals with these people because they try to destroy him. Well, all right, standing in their way and, and upsetting their their status quo. You're right. All right. Thank you for your call. By the way, I have to admit, I said yesterday, have you noticed there isn't a lot of riding going on these days? And then what happens outside of Milwaukee, Mr. Producer? Riots. Riots. Well, still not across the country the way it was before. Let me put it to you that way. Let me put it to you that way. And the New York Times, I'm sure, is going to do an excellent story, an expose, on how the Democrat leadership kept talking about how the military will have to remove our dictator president if he won't accept defeat from the White House. We're sure that Davy, what's her name again? Alba? 
Davy Alba. Isn't there like a group called Alba? Oh, that's Abba. Excuse me. Let us go to Susie, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hi, Mark. Great pleasure to talk to you again. I spoke to you Thank last you. year. Thank you. Thank you for your patriotism, encouragement, and hope, because I think without you, we would be lost. Aren't you Absolutely. kind? Thank you very much. And I just want to talk about Pelosi a little bit further. As a conservative woman, I find it very troubling and very, very scary that Pelosi has so much power and that she got this far um, and is that close to the presidency. I wonder, Mm -hmm. do people not look at character anymore? Do they not understand or or try to understand how how bad she is for our country? Apparently not in San Francisco. Now, my question is, what drugs might Nancy Pelosi be on? Obviously, that Botox, that can't be doing wonders for her brain, I don't think. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Seven quick takeaways from the 2020 vice presidential debate. Molly Hemingway really zones in on this. Pence's superpower is debating. And he was prepared. Really quite outstanding. Harris's superpower is something other than debating. (laughs) You know what I got out of this debate more than anything? She is not qualified to be vice president because she's not qualified to be president. Even apart from the the physical manifestations and all that smiling oddly and all that, but all that aside, aside from the identity politics, she's extraordinarily superficial. She's not really knowledgeable about a whole lot. One of the things that I thought was most powerful during the debate, there were several areas, Uh, where the vice president really focused. But one of them was on her prosecutorial record. And she's trying to show the black community what a terrific prosecutor she was. And the truth is, as Mike Pence pointed out about her prosecutions as DA and as attorney general of the state, that she significantly prosecuted significantly more black people than other people. Now, do vice presidential debates matter? Yes, I think they do matter. And I'll tell you something about Pence. He's underestimated every time. He wiped the floor with Tim Kaine. 
who had been an attorney general of Virginia, a lieutenant governor of Virginia, the governor of Virginia, senator from Virginia. He spent his entire life, even longer than Pence, I think, in, in government. And yet he wasn't prepared, or Pence certainly was. You have Susan Page, who moderated the debate, as Hemingway points out, and I did yesterday, the biographer Nancy Pelosi. And, of course, that resulted in biased questions. I thought they were very biased. She points out one of the problems with the media being so uniformly in support of the Democrat Party and its goals, nearly all the questions posed in debates are loaded with false assumptions. The first question to Pence, for instance, was that the U.S. death toll was worse than almost any other wealthy country on Earth. The U.S. case fatality rate of 2.8% is below Italy, Britain, Belgium, Sweden, Canada, France, Netherlands, Spain, Switzerland, and Germany, something the media rarely mention. And so when Paige asked Harris about whether she'd take a vaccine, she neglected to mention that Harris had made anti-vaccination remarks weeks ago. Paige, the moderator, couched a discussion of the economy and claimed that the economy is not recovering. Vice President Pence, your administration has been predicting a rapid and robust recovery. But the latest economic report suggests that's not happening, unquote. In fact, the latest estimate from the Atlanta Federal Reserve is that third quarter GDP growth will be almost 35%, the largest jump in American history. Do you believe that climate change poses an existential threat, was the general tenor of the questions. By the way, Wallace did that too. She highlighted that, quote, President Trump blames China for the coronavirus, as if it's in dispute that the coronavirus came from and was mishandled by China. Instead of asking Harris for her support of abortion through all nine months of pregnancy and for suing nuns to force them to pay for abortions, Page went with a far friendlier, quote, Would you want your home state to enact no restrictions on the access to abortion if the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade? It won't, because John Roberts is on the court. Page didn't ask Harris about supporting a bailout fund for rioters. And most egregiously, a question about the peaceful transfer of power was posed as if this was a concern for Trump, even though it is the resistance who, by definition, have fought the 2016 election's legitimacy for nearly four years. Pence was asked tough questions about things Trump had said or done. That's appropriate and good. It's also appropriate and necessary for Biden and Harris to be asked tough questions about their views. That's where the media have completely abdicated responsibility in favor of their preferred 2020 approach of campaign advocacy. One of the most surprising things, Harris struggled to keep cool, particularly at the beginning. A split screen showed out candidates for much of the debate. Even when a huge fly landed on Pence's mane to the distraction of many, he kept the same calm demeanor. Harris bobbed her head, shook her head, laughed oddly, sneered generally, exuded smug vibe. This was also what Biden did. Biden must have been her debate coach. Biden did this in spades. Controlling facial expressions on television is difficult, but it's important for the medium. Then she points out, no need to blame poor performances on sexism. Following the debate, many of the media hosts who serve as Biden-Harris surrogates started saying, without evidence. That Pence has mansplained to Harris. Or that women are held to 
different standards than men on the debate stage, or that criticism of her smugness was sexist. In fact, it's fine for observers to critique both male and female debaters. First of all, I'm a little confused, Mr. Perdue. We've talked about this in the past. Why do we assume any of these people are of certain genitalia types? I thought it's a matter of self-identity, not biology. Am I right about that? So how can you be mansplaining? Or how can a woman be held to different standards when we're not even allowed to identify women as women, right? And mansplaining, isn't it like people-splaining? You can't use the word mansplaining like you can't use it in mankind. The left is so freakish. So freakish. Mansplaining. Cut 10, Mr. Producer. Go. Mike Pence uh, is a former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor, but I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining. That's Democrat George Stephanopoulos. Go ahead. This was a mansplainer in chief. I get Mike mansplainer all night. How do you know this mansplaining there, brother? I thought we, we don't identify people by their genitalia, whether we think we know it or not. That's Van Jones. Maoist. Go ahead. Crawl. Um, uh, you know, the, the constant interruptions, the mansplaining. Essie Cup, who's become one of the aides, quite said the idiot. that Pence didn't just mansplain, he man dodged. But I thought that the most effective uh, being on that stage to go after Vice President Pence was that fly. But the big star of the debate tonight was a fly that landed quite symbolically mm. on the Vice President's head. It's By the way, I posted the fly that landed on Hillary Clinton's face during one of the debates. Remember that, Mr. Producer? Just for equality purposes. Go ahead. Look at his hair. He's so full of crap. He's attracting flies. The fly was there to send one of two messages. It was either from Exodus. Where right, that's enough. We're not going to waste our time on this. This is the quality of journalism you get from Jake Tapper and, and uh, Brian Williams and Ari Melber, whatever that is. Nicole Wallace. Is she of the George Wallace family? I don't know. I'm just curious. Rachel Madcow and Steve... I don't want to mispronounce that name. These are all reprobates. They all get paid to go on TV and trash. They have nothing to say. They're stupid people. The fact of the matter is the vice president was excellent. Absolutely excellent. Here's a bigger fact. We know why we need to vote in this election. I'm going to say this every night. What have you done today? Don't get mad at me. It's a fair question. I can tell you what I've done. What have you done today to win this election? This is all fine, interesting. Some of it's rather boring if you ask me. What have you done in your own life to try and win this election? Have you done the contact with individuals in your family and friends and coworkers and colleagues? Have you talked to any of your neighbors? Are you encouraging people to vote? I'm getting very concerned that we're not doing enough here. Levinites, tens of millions of us. We have a responsibility to do this. So it's very, very important. What are you doing in your own personal life with your own family, friend, and social circles? 
to get people to vote, because in the end, that's what it is. I can critique these people till I'm blue in the face. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about the judiciary, shall we? Article 3 of the United States Constitution establishes the judicial branch of the federal government. Under Article 3, Section 1, vests the judicial power of the United States in the Supreme Court as well as inferior courts established by Congress. as well as by Congress. Let me get the exact language here. I left my Constitution in the other room. I do. I carry around this Constitution, Mr. Producer. And if, uh, and if Biden's elected, I have to burn it up. Let's see. Article 3. Bear with me, folks. Constitution. Here we go. There it is. Just like that. Judicial power, Section 1 of the United States, shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and the inferior courts, shall hold their office during good behavior and shall at stated times receive for their services a compensation and so forth. The judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution. Uh, and pretty much... It says a little bit more, that, but that's the relevant part that I wanted to tell you about. So these are lifetime appointments. Now, why are they lifetime appointments? Anybody know? You may not like that, but does anybody know? Because these judges and justices are supposed to stay above politics. Now, when we have a rogue justice or just a judge, it becomes a huge problem. Because they're there for life. Now, you might say, well, what about impeachment? That was tried. It was tried by... Uh, by the Federalists. It was tried by uh, Thomas Jefferson and his party, I should say. And it failed. It failed. And so the determination was at that point that you really could not impeach a judge or justice for their rulings. And you can see somewhat why that makes sense because the left would always try to impeach a constitutionalist, and vice versa. 
But let's go back before the Constitution. Where did this concept of three branches of power, one checking the other, where did that come from? Does anybody know where that came from? They even mentioned this individual three times in the Federalist Papers. His name is Montesquieu. Now, even John Locke references this, and Locke had an enormous influence on the founding, enormous influence on our Declaration and Jefferson. But Montesquieu wrote about this at some length, about these three branches of government, the judicial, the executive, and the legislative. Three branches of government that balance each other. You used to be told, particularly by the left, that the Supreme Court is independent and there should be no effort to pressure the court. There should be no litmus test for nominees and so forth. I remember this during the Reagan administration. And yet now we've totally reversed course. As I've told you the last several months as this has come up, it's not recent, it's come up a lot, not just as a result of uh, Amy Coney Barrett. This is tyranny, pure and simple. I've also explained this is how Castro would conduct himself. This is how Maduro would conduct himself. This is how Xi would conduct himself. Just destroy the institution and advance the cause. And it amazes me that there's still people out there who are going to vote for a party that has stated, even though the presidential candidate and the vice presidential candidate are hiding it, they're going to do it. We have one party that has promised to destroy one branch of our government. And they have promised to destroy one house of our legislature, the Senate. They are running, these senators in particular, they are running on a mandate to destroy Article 3 of the Constitution and the judiciary. And they are running on a mandate to destroy the United States Senate. And people out there are going to vote for this party. Now you might be a liberal, but there was a time when liberals had integrity. When Franklin Roosevelt came up with his court packing plan, he wanted to add six justices for a total of 15. Because the nine justices kept knocking down his so-called New Deal programs, particularly three big ones in a row, and he was furious. And so the court stood in his way. Now, it just so happens he didn't have to pack the court. It was filled with a lot of very older gentlemen, and over time they, resi- they retired, and also they were scared to death after he tried to pack the court, so at least three of the justices kind of flipped. All that said, the Democrats want an independent judiciary as long as it doesn't get in their way. Listen to how they talk. The judiciary, the Supreme Court's going to overrule Roe v. Wade. They don't say we need a Supreme Court that's going to follow the Constitution. Think about it logically. If you don't believe in the Constitution, you believe in the 1619 Project. 
If you believe the framers of the Constitution that there were just too many slaveholders, that everything they touch and did is to be trashed, if you are a progressive who truly understands progressivism, the early progressives, the intellectuals, the Woodrow Wilsons, the Deweys, the Ways, the others, they would tell you the Constitution gets into the way of what we want to do. And really the best way to control a society is through the courts. But people are willing to vote for this party, for their presidential nominee, for their vice presidential nominee, for their senators, for their House members, knowing full well that they have as their intention to destroy Article 3 of the Constitution, not just the Supreme Court, but the judiciary, and half of the Congress. Unbelievable to me, the circumstance that we face here. Unbelievable to me. That should be enough to vote for Donald Trump. That should be... No, no, no. I can't let the Democrats do that. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. conservative fire the mark levin show call in now at 877-381-3811 wonderful candidate running in maine's second district his name is dale crafts who my wife and i met uh, just a little bit ago dale how are you my friend hey i'm great uh mark it was a pleasure to meet you and your wife julie out there in uh, aspen colorado thanks for having me on no, it's a great honor. Tell tell the folks about you and your and, and tell the folks out there your situation and so forth. Well, we're up here in Maine. You know, we got a we got a uh, race up here that uh, sitting against a freshman uh, congressman up here in Maine that uh, voted uh, against Donald Trump. He, he he well he voted to impeach Donald Trump in a district that the president won uh, in ten plus points up here. So. But we just got to get the message out, you know, having a sitting, sitting congressman like that. Uh, he's come out early and painted himself like, well, kind of like uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is. They're pretending to be someone they're not, which is typical what Democrats do when they run for office. And then when they get elected, they're, you know, the left-wing progressive liberals. So that's what we got going on up here. So we're really pushing hard and really pushing hard on our fundraising up here to get enough money to continue to uh, inform the voters the difference between my opponent and I. And what's your background? Well, I'm a businessman. Um, you know, I, I uh, was fortunate to grow up in a great business family and uh, started multiple businesses. But, you know, in 1983, I had a motorcycle accident, 
and uh, became paralyzed uh, at the age of 24, but went on to uh, grow an amazing family and businesses and uh, lived an amazing life and ended up serving my local town and then the state legislature for four terms and now uh, candidate for Congress. So that's the American dream we can live. You know, uh, nothing can stop us here in America. We have a president, Donald Trump, that believes the same way and believes in America. And it's really exciting time to, uh, to be running for office. Tell us a little about your district. My district is the uh, it's the largest district uh, this side of the Mississippi up here. You know, it's hard-working Maine people up here that find a way to get through these long winters. And this district is a district that is is uh, quite conservative, actually. And uh, this is a is a district that we can win because, uh, like I said, people are more excited up here than I've ever seen. If you come up here and you ride around, you'll see 60,000 Trump signs here in Maine. The enthusiasm is incredible because people believe in hard work. They believe in the American dream, and uh, this district is, is, is amazing. And uh, we're going to win this back. We're going to take back the majority in the House and go, give Donald Trump uh, the tools he needs to uh, get this economy going again. Mm-hmm. What's it look like there in terms of, uh, in terms of your race? It's looking good. What we did, we did some internal polling, and when you look at that, when we, uh, we in, uh, in the informed voter, we do very well. So uh, we are going to do some more of our internal polling coming up here in the next week or so to see exactly who this race is tightening. Um, I have the endorsement of Donald Trump. We have the endorsement of Senator Ted Cruz. We have the, I have the endorsement of the former Governor Paul LePage, who's beloved, who's going to run again against this liberal uh, governor we have up here now. So uh, I got the support behind me. This is definitely uh, pushing our way, and we do believe that we're going to be really happy on November 3rd and, and be a night of victory. Tell me about the uh, funding. Are you being outraised? Out yeah, you know, typically we're being outraised uh, up here in this district because, you know, he sat on about $2.1 million as soon as my primary ended. Uh, we had to start raising money to get up on TV. So we have got to inform the uh, the voters on who I actually and who he is. So we need all the help we can. can and people can go to DaleCraftsForCongress.com if they really want to put us over the top and help us out. DaleCraftsForCongress.com, and it's spelled C-A-R-F-T-S, DaleCraftsForCongress.com. We have it up on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Parlor. But you can go directly as well, Dale Crafts, C-A-C-R-A-F-T-S, Dale Crafts for Congress.com, Maine Second. What kind of towns are in Maine Second? Oh, it's a little, a little small towns all over this. There's hundreds of towns in the second district of Maine. You know, you go from down east Maine to Callis, where, you know, we have the deepest water port down there. Then you can go all the way up to Fort Kent, which is potato country and, and the cauliflower and broccoli. You know, then you've got the coast. You've got the western side of the mountains, which is just beautiful in the, in the district. Maine is one of the most beautiful. The district, the second district of Maine is just absolutely beautiful. It's hard-working people up here. You know, we got 630 miles of Canadian border that we uh, – that we border, and uh, it's just a great place up here in Maine. Let me ask you a question. You're wheelchair-bound. This is a massive district. Yes. You must have enormous motivation and energy and really courage to do what you're doing right now. Well, you know, I've always had the hard, hard work value, and I've worked very hard. I still get up at 4 o'clock in the morning every day, put in my 12 hours. We are campaigning. I put in 
tens of thousands of miles all over the district of Maine. You know, it's uh, it's just amazing energy that God's given me and the strength. And, you know, my campaign, they laugh at me. They go, you know, Dale, we can't hardly keep up with you. And <laughs> I just i am glad that I have that drive that I have. I've always had that drive. That's why I was able to uh, raise so many kids and grandkids and start so many businesses and be successful in life. And, you know, again, I just we got to hang on to that American dream that people can do anything and be overcomers in their lives if they just put their mind to it and determine that don't let anything stop you. Just just focus on what you got to do. And you know what? My family needs me to fight for them to be able to live the life that I've lived up here, and that's why I'm doing it. And uh, what is your sense? I mean, you have the internal polls. What is your sense of enthusiasm there as you travel this district? You know, I, I, in 2010, we won the governorship in the House and the Senate, and the enthusiasm was incredible. We had a candidate, Governor Paul LePage, that just turned the district on. And I'm telling you, I've never seen enthusiasm in all the years I've been doing politics in the state of Maine like I'm seeing up here. There is going to be a massive turnout that the polls are not showing. I believe that. It's going to happen across the country. And uh, the pollsters are going to be shocked once again. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Levinites out there, if you can help Dale, he'd be a tremendous addition to the House. Take out a left-wing Democrat who doesn't represent his district well and be a vote against Pelosi for speaker so we can remove her once and for all. It's Dale Kraft for Congress.com. Dale, C-R-A-F-T-S for Congress.com. America, anybody in America, if you can contribute to his campaign, please do. Uh, if you live in that big district and you can help him, please do. Just go to that site. If your opponent wants to come on the program, we're happy to have him. Dale, we wish you all the best, my friend. Hey, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate being on. You've got it. Well, Mr. Producer, uh-oh. Media Matters for America. This is the group that's been sued because it took, it literally took relief money. Are you aware of that, Mr. Producer? And it's registered at the Internal Revenue Service as a 501c3 charitable nonpartisan organization. So the people who don- donate to it get a tax deduction. Are you aware of that? And they're very upset at my characterization of Nancy Pelosi. Fox is Mark Levin. Now, they do that to upset Fox, because I have a one-hour show on Fox. Fox is Mark Levin. Nancy Pelosi's mentally ill. She has the shakes. Her face with old age is malformed. I think that's correct, isn't it? I think it's correct, but I don't know why Media Matters has to do this. We will do it ourselves, won't we, Mr. Producer? At the end of every show, we post the show on MarkLevinShow.com, the mothership, under the, under the daily recap, and, or you can listen to the podcast, and we transcribe the first hour, and we put it up there. We're proud of what we say. We're not hiding. So this group is raising money. we got to get into this somehow. Maybe they ought to be paying us a little piece of the action here. Because it's very strange. They take what I say, they repackage it, they push it out to the liberal media, why doesn't the liberal media just go on my site, listen to my show, or listen to the podcast, or look at the transcription of the first hour? We're more transparent than any other program on the face of the earth, or at least as transparent as other programs. Why do we need Media Matters? Now, I know they cherry-pick, but I happen to think my description of Nancy Pelosi is a little too kind, Mr. Producer. 
This is a woman who wants people to go without food. This is a woman who doesn't care about people without jobs. This is a woman who wants to see our airline industry bankrupted and all the people attached to it going broke. This is a woman who is blackmailing the unemployed, small businesses and others who are going under. Unless she gets the funds she wants to pay off and subsidize her political hack friends of the Democrat Party who run these massive pension programs into the ground, I think I've been rather kind to Nancy Pelosi. But I would tell the media out there, left-wing in particular, you don't need Media Matters for America. You need Mark Levin for America. Because right there on the MarkLevinShow.com homepage, the mothership, we have the audio. We have the first-hour transcript. And you can listen to the podcast. We're everywhere. We're all over the place. So all of you who are contributing to Media Matters out there, why are you wasting your money? For free, you can listen to this show. For free, you can listen to the podcast. For free, you can see the first-hour transcript. For free! Why waste your time with these knuckleheads? We're giving them millions and millions and millions out to what? To monitor, among others, Mark. You don't have to monitor me. I'm there. I'm open. I'm, I'm, I'm available. There it is for everyone to read and hear and see. Boy, oh boy, somebody's not getting their money's worth. You know, I meant to get to this yesterday. But I need to get to it now. It's a little out of sync, but I can't help it. The NBA, I've had it here. NBA likely to pull Black Lives Matter messages from courts jerseys next season. You know, I like to thank you folks. And we're not alone, but I'd like to thank you folks. You're always at the point of the spear with me. We're in this together. I have the most loyal audience, period. And I know I'm blessed. And I said we need to have a BDS movement against the NBA, and I still believe against the NFL. The NBA is hemorrhaging ratings. That means they're hemorrhaging money. The NBA hates a lot of its fans. Talks about systemic racism. LeBron James isn't the only one. There are sportscasters. There are coaches. And, and not just African Americans. White guys too. Who have nothing but contemptuous things to say about this country and the people who populate this country. And you've had enough. And you're not watching. And they're getting clobbered. Their numbers are cratering. And what's going to happen now is that those networks that are attached to these athletes and attached to these leagues, they're going to start cratering too. Because you're not watching them anymore. I can tell you, I don't watch these networks anymore. I just don't. The only thing I watch is UFC or Bellator. The MMA guys. I used to like to watch the NBA, particularly the playoffs. I don't watch it anymore. I don't care. You know how easy it's been? I I thought it would be horrific, you know, to remove myself as a fan from the NFL. I thought it would be impossible. It's not impossible. Ask my family. Yes, I don't watch the NFL anymore. I don't care about the Eagles anymore. I just don't care. I don't need to be called names. I don't need to be told this country sucks. I'm just not going to put up with it. And at the UFC and Bellator, you either hear nothing or you hear patriotism. It's one or the other. But most people want to watch sports to watch sports. They cannot stand the trashing of their country and the trashing of the people in this country. 
we want to get away from it. And so this is why these, these leagues are going to fail. And they're going to continue to fail. So you have Adam Silver, the bizarre-looking NBA commissioner, who is trying to pull back, saying, you know, maybe we'll review this. We don't need the BLM stuff on the court, and we don't need the sayings on the jerseys. We're all supportive of it, but let's do it outside, you know, uh, the, uh, the stadiums and so forth. Well, of course he's going to say that now. Or, or they're going to go under. Or you're going to watch college basketball and college sports. They're going to go under. Many of these players are already overpaid. The tickets are through the roof. Cable companies are bleeding, so they're not going to keep paying these fees to these, uh, to these stations and to these leagues. They're just not. See, it works. And not just with the NBA. It's going to work with colleges and universities. It's going to work with your local schools. Now that the teachers' union has shown us that you just don't need as many bureaucrats, and you don't need as much of them as you thought you may have. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, I'm on Hannity tonight, 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time in 30 minutes. I'm the lounge act for the president who follows. And also the president will be on this program from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow. I hope all of our affiliates are aware of that, prepare for that, and make note of that. And we had a newsbreaker on here. Uh, I wasn't expecting it from the Republican leader in the House, Kevin McCarthy. He's pulling together a number of colleagues to try and... determine what they can do about Nancy Pelosi because he believes, and rightly so, that she's reached a point of being mentally unhinged. And we need the second person in line for the presidency to be somebody who's, uh, who's competent. Taxes are complicated, especially for first-time small business owners like Ted. Like a lot of new business owners, Ted didn't know the ins and outs of self-employed taxes. So he made an honest filing mistake, and pow, the IRS nailed him with a huge tax bill. So Ted struggled for years trying to solve his tax debt until the stress got so bad he began having health problems, and this is a problem. Thankfully, Ted found our friends at Optima Tax Relief. Optima Tax Relief. And he said having Optima standing between him and the IRS felt like having a bodyguard. Optima resolved his tax debt for thousands less than the IRS sought. 
Now, Ted's story is another example why I recommend Optima, America's most trusted tax relief firm. Optima has resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks just like you. Call for your free phone consultation with an Optima tax associate and get the help you need. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Now, after you call Optima, your stress is going to relax. You're going to need to take a rest. Well, guess what? You can throw some bedding on a bunch of different mattresses and sure, they'll all look alike. The same goes for pillows. But peel away the layers, look at what's inside, and you'll see they aren't all created equal. And that's what makes every purple pillow and mattress unlike anything you've ever slept on. The purple grid sets the purple mattress apart from every other mattress. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. With over 1,800 open-air channels designed to neutralize body heat, Purple provides a cooling effect other mattresses simply can't replicate. And this cutting-edge technology doesn't stop with the mattresses. Every Purple pillow is engineered with the grid for total head and neck support and absolute airflow so you're always on the cool side of the pillow. You can try every Purple product risk-free with free shipping and returns, and Purple has financing available as low as 0% APR for qualified customers. So experience the Purple Grid, and you'll sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash Levin10, purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N-1-0, and use promo code Levin10. For a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash, purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N-1-0, and then promo code Levin10, for 10% off any order of $200 or more. One more time. Purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N-1-0. And then promo code L-E-V-I-N-1-0. You're going to love this mattress. Terms apply. Well, Mr. Producer, how much time do I have left? Oh, not enough time. Well, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, there's not enough time. The 25th Amendment... What does the 24th Amendment say? Does anybody know? What's the 23rd Amendment say? Does anybody know? Here's what we do know. Nancy Pelosi has no idea what the 25th Amendment is. We salute our all of you folks, all of you heroes out there. I want to thank you. I'll see you in 30 minutes on Hannity on Fox. And I'll see you tomorrow with the president. Have a good night. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 